Hi, it's the girl out there right here with you. And I am here with Barb and Jim. Hello, everybody. How are you? Good morning. Hey, good morning. Cindy. Good How are you? morning. I, I so appreciate that you are here with me today and sharing. And um, I thought I would start the introduction and let everybody know a little bit about how we met and uh, and then we will dive in. So I believe I met you through your daughter. Um, I think I got. Um, yes. And, um, and so as I've shared before on this podcast, I, um, I will, I get your names and then I write for you and then I, um, and then I come to meet you. And I still remember that day because I had, I had drawn in, um, I met, was a brown leather bound book and I was, I had drawn, um, four hearts and I had the hand, I still remember it, the hand of God, uh, with another hand. And I had seen Jim's face in my um, in my mind, and I and I'd never seen that before. And this was long before COVID. Um, and I had my I still remember my old little white uh, Toyota, and I pulled up in front of your house, and I remember sitting out there thinking, I think I might have to tell this man that he is dying, and how am I going to do that? Um, because I didn't know what that hand of God meant. Um, but I thought, well, no, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in there. And then, um, and then the door opened and I saw Jim's face and it was the exact face that I'd seen in my head. And I just remember going, I just saw you in my head. <laughs> I was so overjoyed that it actually worked. And that was the first time for me that that had ever happened. And I, I couldn't hold it back. It just, oh, it's your face. <laughs> I was so excited. And we, we sat down and we started to talk. And I remember your energy in your house was so beautiful. Um, just so lovely. And it was like, I knew you forever. Um, and, uh, we sat down and I started to share a little bit about those four hearts and what I had seen. Yeah. And then you shared your story. And it was so incredible for me. Um, and I don't know if you want to take over what your story is or um, more, but that was life-changing for me and it has stayed with me. Um, but yeah, you, do you want to share a bit of your story? Yeah, ab absolutely. absolutely. First of all, okay. it, was, it was so beautiful to meet you too, Cindy. We felt the same way. And this timing of this podcast today is fortuitous because we are approaching in just a few days, seven years from the day that this major event happened in our lives and changed us forever. Absolutely. Um, so we're happy to share this now. It's, the timing is perfect. So if your listeners um, don't believe in miracles or wonder about miracles or the power of energy, um, the incredible medical technology that's out there, uh, our story uh, will definitely impact everyone's lives. Um, on June the 7th, 2015, our lives changed uh, forever. Sure did. So... Um... Jim was practicing for the ride for cancer to raise funds for cancer. And he and his 
one of his best friends were riding their bicycles up the road toward the border at Point Roberts, Washington, and all was well. I mean, the day was beautiful. Jim was in high spirits as he usually is. He, everything was wonderful. We were very blessed that day. And he crossed the border with Andy and 15 feet across the border, he fell off his bike dead. He died on the spot. To which point Andy screamed, um, a border guard rushed out and started immediate CPR. And one of the first miracles is that he had just completed his training in CPR two weeks prior, miracle number one. So he was fresh with knowing how to do this. Although he said to us later, until you do it on a real person, you really don't get it. He got it that day. And so- um, Miracle, miracle two was, it was on a Sunday morning when the fire department, which is a volunteer fire department at Point Roberts, it's a training fire department for all of BC and parts of Canada. And they normally train on Saturdays, but that Saturday, the paramedic could not um, arrive. So they changed it the Sunday morning, ironically. So it was miracle number two that there was actually a fire department there. Uh, miracle three really was that if I'd fallen on the Canadian side, I wouldn't be here speaking today. So it was fortuitous that I fell off my bike on the, uh, on the US side and that they were able to um, bringing this whole team of young men training to be firefighters who didn't know that after 20 minutes of CPR that you stop. And that was basically the golden rule in Canada. So I had 50 minutes of CPR, 20 minutes of no heartbeat. And when they closed the border for over an hour and a half and brought in a helicopter and the helicopter took me to uh, Bellingham, the St. Joseph's Hospital, which again, fortuitous that, believe it or not, in Washington State, it was the leading cardiac hospital. So Who knew? Little tiny Bellingham. So I was in good hands, but upon arrival, the uh, doctor, Pete Beglin, basically said that my lungs were 80% filled with fluid. Um, my brain was obviously challenged and that the best they could do would be to put a stent in and put me in the hallway for Barbie to come down and say goodbye, that I was technically uh, clinically dead. And uh, the brain damage would be uh, so severe that they weren't prepared to save a body. So it was at that point that uh, I let Barbie fill in as to how she found out where I was and, and what happened. So all this happened without me knowing. Obviously I was happily seated on our back deck, looking at Broad Inlet, reading a wonderful book and thinking life was pretty wonderful. And the doorbell rang at 1.20. Ah, catches me, always. Because this is something you see in movies. This is something you hear that other people go through, but not yourself until you go through. We're so strange that way, aren't we? Doorbell rang, I went to the door, opened it up and there was Andy who was riding with Jim, a police officer and a victim services representative. And I, I knew right then there was trouble. And Andy said, Barbie, Jim's had a heart attack. We don't know if he's alive. You need to come. My body froze. 
my brain froze, the body didn't. That's the strange part, the brain froze. The body kept moving or doing something and Andy instructed me to pack a little bag in case I needed to stay overnight. Uh, he advised me to call my brother and sister-in-law who lived close by and to call our girls, which I did in short order. And uh, so off we went, Andy and I, uh, to, I didn't know where I was going. And Andy told me, oh, sorry, <laughs> seven years later, the PTSD is still so alive. Ah. Yes, and so we went on the freeway and Andy was constantly on the phone. I didn't know to whom. I didn't, I wasn't really in the moment. I was feeling more emotional turmoil than I was feeling anything logical at all. There was no logic to what was happening because Andy told me Jim was in Bellingham and I thought, okay, this just doesn't make sense. They were at Point Roberts. So we got down there very quickly and were led to ICU where again, Pete Beglin, the doctor that helped Jim when he first arrived there came in and sat down and he said, we have done everything for him. We've thrown the kitchen sink. Don't think there's much hope, but we're doing what we can. And when you see him, you'll be shocked because he is hooked up to multiple machines 27 bags of intravenous. There are multiple people in his room with him. We will take you in. Um, the whole thing is surreal, was surreal then. And thankfully our, our two daughters were there with me and one husband and our best friends. And in I went to the, to the room. I went to touch him and they said, don't touch him because if you touch him, that'll cause oxygen to come to the skin and he doesn't have any. <laughs> so- Thank you. Just going, going back a bit is that uh, um, Pete Beglin and Christy Smith, both oh. cardiologists at the hospital had a discussion because putting me on ECMO, which, which we didn't have in Canada at the time, and, ECMO, now we have Thrill Canada because it's used for COVID, but uh, ECMO was, was new. And in that hospital, Christy Smith came from a hospital in Texas. And part of her coming to the hospital in Bellingham was that the hospital purchased two ECMO machines. And so they, Pete Beglin said, He's, we don't want to save a body. And Christy Smith said, I think he has an opportunity on ECMO. So they agreed that to ask me if I would squeeze her finger. And if I squeezed her finger, I would go in ECMO. If I didn't, I would be in the hallway for Barbara to say goodbye. Because what they were really looking for was any cognition. Was the brain working at all? If there was even a fragment of cognition, they would put them on ECMO, which by the way, is a heart-lung bypass machine. You're on full or machinery support. And wow. you're frozen. You're basically That's frozen. Another side. So, yeah. So um, I did not squeeze her finger, but I, I rolled my head in a, a no, like I'm not going to squeeze your finger. And so I thought this character, he, he, there's something a, there still. He, he might be he's definitely a candidate. Yeah, so yeah. luckily I was on ECMO for six days. And uh, as Barbie just alluded to, 10 full-time people, 24 seven, incredible nursing staff. And it was, uh, I still, I still have nightmares of ECMO. I still have nightmares of 
the uh, the journey from Bellingham to the hospital in Vancouver and the stay in my uh, in the hospital at uh, Vancouver General. So, so what? Sorry. So what? Thank you. Um, I'm just curious. What what are the nightmares? Like your so your brain you still can recall. Yeah, just to add in that it's typical for patients in IU, ICU to come up with delusion because of the heavy use of drugs that mm. has to be used. So Jim was under sedation. He was also frozen to help protect the brain and given a number of drugs that help do all that. So at one point, while he was still in Bellingham, I went to him and said, if you need to go, go. Mm. Yeah, you should explain that. Yeah, because we have been with a number of people in their last hours of life, and we have found very often people need permission to go from those they love. And Jim has always been a seaman. He loves boating and the water and nature. And so I said to him, and he was under full sedation. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, if you need to go, go get on your boat and mm -hmm. go. And he shook his head. Oh. So they knew that there was still someone inside that brain, which suggested that even with ECMO, which is extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, there was still a person inside. And that's what they were worried about the most, that sometimes ECMO can have fatal damage, brain damage, brain bleeds, heart, heart failing completely, lungs failing completely but there was still something inside his brain. So they held all hope. Wow. And then BC Medical wanted us home. So he was transported back to VGH on the seventh day. So getting back to your question uh, is that, uh, you know, when, you, when you're on paralytics like that, you're not supposed to hear anything. You're not supposed to have any cognitive uh, thoughts whatsoever. Mine was totally the opposite. I could hear, I knew, I didn't really know where I was. I knew where I had been, but I didn't know where I was. And um, so I could hear uh, nurse Brandy Vanderpool, um, who was the head nurse, talk to me to say, um, you're safe and everything. I thought I was a, basically a science experiment. What I knew was that I had lost total control of my body, that somebody else was controlling my body. I had no control of my limbs, my breathing, somebody else was controlling that. The only control I had was my brain. And for the first time, I realized the power of my soul. So, you know, that body, mind, and soul, I think somebody was controlling my body, but they couldn't control my mind and they couldn't control my, my energy. That's the first time I realized or was cognizant of the fact that we are, energy that's what we're made but that's what we're comprised of and when you die your body dies um, your energy spins off and you know nobody can ever take that away from you that's that's you i i actually died i, re I remember i remember going off and uh and seeing somebody, excuse me, someone that I adored and was a great friend who had died earlier. And um, I, I saw him, I, I put my hand out to 
embrace. It was it was it was beautiful. I mean, it was um, just very safe. It was. Uh, I mean, there were no, you didn't see angels or spirits. I didn't see any of that. I saw I saw uh, my my good good friend, and he didn't take my hand. He said, "You have a job to do. You have to go back," and that's. So I had a decision to make when I was laying on that pavement at the border with all those incredible firefighters working like crazy to save my life. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do was to go back into my body and try to survive. And, you know, in the beginning, I had so many memories. And then they said, my doctors said, who all wanted to, whether they were cardiologists or, or neurologists or GPs, every single one of them would bring me into their office after this happened um, because I have defied all medical thoughts. I mean, it's, there's no reason I should be alive and impossible that I don't have severe heart damage, brain damage, and lung damage. But it turns out that I have, anybody who has a heart attack has a scar in your, on, on your heart. I do have a scar, but there's no noticeable damage to my heart my brain or my lungs nothing but i am a bit of a science experiment now because medical uh, experiment because everybody wants to continually test me see see why i'm here and 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 what has happened but the the nightmares come back from that because you have no control and you're depending on other people and when Brandy Vanderpool said she would come back in six hours and talk to me. It would mean they would take me out of my frozen state and the paralytics would be relieved a bit so that I would be more cognizant. And so I depended on her. That was just the only link I had to, to mankind, basically. Other than that, I was linked to the universe. And, and so I was waiting for Brandy. And when she didn't come back once, I knew I could never trust her again. And, and, and Brandy and I, we talk about this uh, often when we see her still. And, and even with our, our doctors down there, they're, they're just amazing. But in short, I was not supposed to hear or feel anything. So they, they were shocked. And so some of the nightmares are being locked in your body with somebody else in control. And for me, because I've always been a very driven, goal-set person. For me, it was wait for the moment until no one suspects that you have the strength and you will, you will get through this. You will, you will get out of this. And that became a, that's all you think about. Right? I mean, you're locked in your body. That's all you think about. And that's all I thought about for probably 10 days. And um, it was uh, a bit of a nightmare. And then to what Barbie said when I came back to Vancouver, had me on several doctors. So we had all sorts of different drugs. And after a while, you know what drugs are working, what's not working. And then people don't believe in what you're saying. And, and in the end, I basically had one person who totally believed in everything I was saying. And she's sitting right beside me. Um, I've known this girl since I was 12 years old. So um, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a, a different kind of bonding then when you, because listen, when you go through this, you have to learn to talk again, 
You have to learn to walk again. You have to learn to feed yourself. You, it's, a, it's, it's an awakening like I would never wish on anyone. I'm just so fortunate that I'm not in a wheelchair or when we go to ECMO conferences, which we've been to, I went to try to, to learn something. And in the, in, in the end, I, I felt like I had to speak to put a positive spin on how lucky we are. It's nicknamed, ECMO's nicknamed The Last Chance at Life. And when I went to that conference, I realized that I was probably in the top 2% or 1% of survivors because most have, after ECMO, you have amputation of your fingers, your hands, your arms, your legs, your toes, it's, or your kidneys fail. The yeah. ramifications yeah. can yeah. be huge, but, but you are alive. You are alive in, on this earth. Um, and, and I say that because um, I don't think there is such a thing as actual death to your body, mind, and soul. Your body is gone, but your energy lives on forever. And all of those people who, when I was so ill, and it comes back to, you have no idea of the power of your words and the power, you know, we just talk every day. We don't think about the impact we have on others until you go through what we went through. And, and Barbie and my daughters, because we had so many phone calls, you can't handle them. She couldn't handle the phone calls of what's happened, what's happening to me, what's happening to you. So they went on a site called Caring Bridge and you can, um, you can go on the Caring Bridge and you can post what's happening to a loved one and every day. And that's what they did. And you know, when it was all said and done, it's incredible, it, over 6,000 hits on that site about, about me. And you know, I, I've always tried to have an impact on others and I've always been abnormally driven, I think. Uh, according to Barbie, very yeah. abnormally driven. Yeah. And, um, but the, the impact internationally that I all of a sudden woke up to realize that I've had on others is just, uh, it's absolutely overwhelming. And it's, um, you know, it was just another awakening as to have I done a great job in my life of really speaking to people um, with, with good intent um, because, you know, my life was fast. I was a A-type driven personality. Um, probably, probably by some, I was arrogant, um, but I was, inter I was glo a global thinker from when I was very young. And when we were married at a young age and had a young family, I, I had no option but to go in my, into my own business. And, and on the side, um, after school, I continued extended learning. So in the beginning, I would work, you know, a night shift and a paper mill. And then during the day, I would go to school. In the afternoons, I would study and try to catch some sleep. And then at the age of 21, I started my own import business. 25 years later, I sold that to an international conglomerate because they wanted me to head up their company in Canada and move to Toronto, which Barbie supported me in as she has in all of my crazy ventures. And, and so we moved to Toronto. After two years, uh, I never worked for anybody before. So I went on to my dream in the Pacific Basin 
um, and doing acquisitions and mergers and then eventually to Europe. And so just to give you a, a sort of a snapshot of who, who I was and what I did to when my doctor here said, Jim, after everything you've been through, uh, is there, if you don't have to work, you know, you should never jeopardize the moments and the family you have by continuing. You should consider totally retiring and, and then making a difference in helping others. So I'm going to jump in here a little bit because there is, there is one part of this energy that we're talking about that is absolutely critical. Um, when I was waiting in ICU, didn't know if Jim was going to live or not. We didn't know day to day. I had a quiet conversation with my father who had died several years earlier. And because he and Jim were very, very close, I asked him to please help Jim. Who did you see? I saw, um, I saw my father, I saw Barbie's dad. Yeah. We were close, close friends. Yeah, yeah. And so there, there is proof right there that there's so much more that we are unfamiliar with. And because ECMO is expected to cause permanent damage in so many parts of the body, the cookie cutter approach to a patient coming off ECMO is that yes, there is going to be damage. So while we were in Vancouver, Jim was recovering for a month in the hospital, so many different specialists were coming in and out and saying that he had brain damage because he asked people to leave the room, that he would ask anyone to leave the room saying that he was having a board meeting and people were coming into this board meeting and he needed to have space. Yeah. Doc doctors looked at that not knowing him yeah. And think, whoa, this guy's way off. There must be something wrong with his brain. I knew full well this had been his life for 40 years. Yeah. This is what he did. And so it was curious for me in particular to, to hear the reactions of the doctors. And finally, we, I decided to bring him home uh, without, um, what is the word I want? Not permission, without the powers that be agreeing that that was the right thing to do. I brought him home and within a week had him into our neurologist for full testing. And it was found out then that there was absolutely no zero brain damage of any kind. And so the miracles continued all the way through that process to today where now we're seven years apart from that incident um, sitting here fully enjoying our lives, fully aware that we are here for a bigger reason than what we ever thought. And, and filled with so much more gratitude than ever possible, especially this guy. So we, we do um, lecture or have lectured before COVID to um, uh, Douglas College nursing faculty. And that, that's been really, that's been really rewarding. And and also the doctors, especially in the U.S., said a book has to be written because in this world we live, people need good news. They need to know miracles happen. Yes. Um, I have to write a book. And Barbie took that on. And with the input of the doctors who wrote for the book, and then some of um, our, my, our mutual colleagues who are just such inspirational people 
in the medical arena or the global arena um, read the transcript and said, we want to be part of it. Uh, let us write a piece for the, uh, for the book. So, you know, that too is in the book. And I think there's, we, we, and when Barbie was originally writing the book, I thought it was great therapy, but I've always been a very private person. So I was rather horrified that she might actually have it published. And when she did, it was quite amazing because it's probably over a thousand copies. We didn't, we didn't market it. Uh, we, it was just there and, and it's, it's just spun and it's been fantastic. The, uh, the reviews that, that we've had and the impact that it's had, because it's just not about that incident and me, it's about um, the stress and the pressure of what happens when you're, you're into a shock like this. Both and, for you and for me, the and, primary caregiver and the family around, it teaches so much. In fact, the first quote in my book is from Jim Carrey that life does not happen to you, it happens for you. And we have taken that to heart big time and to see how we can best help people learn what we learned. Mm -hmm. So the key, the key in the book, the, the key things are trauma, really. Barbie really, really does an incredible job of addressing trauma, which we all go through at different times in our, our lives. But, but this is a firsthand walk with our family through um, the unexpected, through trauma, and how you can, I've always been into turning bad situations into upside down opportunities. And that's what we, we want to do is to, is to give back and allow people to, to dream, to know that if you dream and work at it, your, your goals can be achieved. And, and have hope. And have hope. So much. Absolutely. Hope. And I, I just want to say that, you know, through this carrying bridge, the you have to imagine after being transported back to Vancouver, I was still hooked up. I couldn't speak. I still had a tube down my throat after some 12 days. And and Barbie came in and I, I was cognizant. And she told me about all the people that have been praying for me and sending good thoughts out to the universe. And I said, I know, I felt it. And I, seriously, I did, and, and really, I'm not a religious person. Yeah. I'm a spiritual person, but I felt that. I felt that radiate right through my body. And, you know, my body was now, it was 50% larger than I am because with everything they're doing to you, you implode really almost, you're swelling. And so I didn't have clothes that fit. And my first words um, when I was able to speak just to say, I know, Barbie, I, I felt it. I, I truly did. And, and then learning, you know, the, the reality of is where, where I am is a, I knew where my mind was. I just didn't know where my body was. And the reality of getting used to this new body and having to learn how to walk and even talk again was, uh, and feed myself. I, my kids laughed when I was trying to feed myself because it was not exactly reaching my mouth, but I was learning again. It's a, it's a shock, but it's, it's a great, it's great to know that no matter what you can come back. Yes. It's 
Barbara, did you want to say something just there? I don't want to, it looked like you were. Yeah, no, I'm, no, I think I'll keep the tears at okay. bay. Right? Thanks. <laughs> I, um, there, I, I wrote notes and so many things were coming through just as you were sharing it all. Um, and it, it's, it's such an incredible story. Um, it's, it's, it's shocking almost to sit with it, how, how huge it is, how incredible it is, how, and I know Jim, you've said, you know, I, I know there's a reason I'm meant to be here. Like when you, and you, when you, you really realize it, when you hear what it was that you actually went through to be here. Um, and I keep seeing the ripple, I, I always talk about ripple effects of the lives of all of those people that you were with, who you've changed their lives too. Um, because I know if I was part of, um, oh, sorry, I'll cry. Um, if I was part of that with you, if I was um, helping you for those 50 minutes, if I was in the hospital with you for any of that point, I would be forever changed to know miracles happen. And so, yes, your family uh, is forever changed. I know you've forever changed my life um, to where I am now to know that miracles are possible. And um, I am now where I am because of you. Um, so your, your purpose is so great. And that in itself, I know we talked about a month ago when you said, you know, what, why am I here? And I said, you're here because of you. And that is that, that in itself is so amazing. So the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds, because every I'm on a tangent now. And so we'll just sit with it for just a minute, but you know, for one person, it's the three around them, among them, among them. So the amount of impact you have had just in itself is remarkable. And Oh, I so amazing. Thank you, Cindy. Yes, thank you. Um, I just, yeah, thank you. I, I the, I just keep thinking about when you said you that uh, just to ask a question when you your you knew in that moment when your body was your body, and that you then went from your mind to the energy you know, that moment that you sort of understood that. Um, how, I mean, I know you couldn't really understand it in that time, like you were just, you were there. Um, have you been ever able to write about that yourself? Um, that you understood that your mind was at one point and that then you were your soul? Have you ever written about that for yourself? Never written about that, but when we were speaking to the nursing faculty, they invited us back three times. And then after the second time, they said their students um, wanted me to go deeper. Mm -hmm. They wanted to sort of forget the book and the story. They wanted me to go deeper into my soul, my memory as to what that really felt like. Mm -hmm. And that was, was really, really hard to do uh, because, you know, time has gone by and the more that time goes by the more I remember and um it's I, I do I do remember being back in my body and 
and my eyes opening, but really couldn't, didn't know why or what, and then gone again, and then fighting basically from my life to, to come back. And, and since then, I've been invited to the Christmas parties of the fire department annual. And so after year one, when I went down, Barbie was away, unfortunately, but I went to join the Christmas party and asked the fire chief exactly who were, I have the names, but who were those young men? And so now they're in their suits and they have their wives or, or fiancés, girlfriends with them. And, and so it was a, a lovely event. And so I went table to table. And when I, they saw me coming, each one of them, and they're much taller than I am. They're all, they're all bigger, larger, larger boys. And when I approached them just to say thank you, um, they just broke down and cried and said, yeah. for them, they've never saved a life. And for them, it's hard work. CPR is hard work. And although they're, they're big, they each took a turn. I think there were eight of them, each took a turn. And they told me that there was nothing, zero, like no heartbeat at all. And then all of a sudden, after many of them had tried, my eyes opened and, oh, this, this was all within the context of the 50 minutes where there were six cardiac arrests and one heart attack. So it was horrific. In fact, one of the doctors at the hospital called the entire event catastrophic. And there's no way that this man should be alive because of that catastrophic event. Um, but going back to your energy feeling for a moment, I wonder if there are even words in our language that can explain how you felt that you left your body and went somewhere else in an energy form. Are there any words you can think of that help describe well, just No, it was spectacular. It was a spectacular experience. And, wow. and, wow. and one, I mean, I, I, I'm not a person to ever give up. You know, sometimes yeah. that can be good. Sometimes that can be bad. That's right. Um, but, but when I, when I left my body, it was like, beautiful clouds. I mean, just beautiful white puppy clouds were just uh, absolutely sensational. And then I saw my, my father-in-law and, um, and since I've known him since I was 12 years old. So we became, as a lawyer, we became extremely close and, um, and he died at a fairly young age. And so I've always, you know, I missed that, that friendship. And so when he, I put my hand out, um, and I had a decision to make, and I can remember making that decision to come back. And, and then the next thing I, I know, I'm, I'm in, in my body. So what I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't look down on my body like some would say or have experienced. Yeah. Uh, I went back into my body, basically into my head, and, and tried to get my head around where I was and, and what was happening. But the, the gratitude... I have for uh, Chief Chris Carlton at, at the uh, fire department in Point Roberts and all of those uh, volunteers and, and the uh, Bonita Haggerth and the, uh, the helicopter paramedic, absolutely unbelievable. And to, to the point that as Pete Baglin said, everything had to work 
exactly right that day in order for me to live. And to the point that uh, the Congresswoman for Washington State, Suzanne Delbeni, heard that's the first time that five agencies have worked together in a synchronistic fashion to save yeah. a life. Yeah. So she actually went to Congress, the US Congress, told the story to Congress, and Congress agreed to fly five US flags, typical American fashion, right? Five flags over the Capitol for 24 hours, put them in glass cases, bring them back and fly into Point Roberts and present these awards, these big flags to every agency. So they invited us down and there were probably hundred or so people there, but it was a, just a magnificent event. So what happened to me is now in the congressional records for, for a lifetime. So how can we ever express our gratitude oh. to all those people? I mean, it, it's absolutely impossible, which is one of the reasons we wanted to write the book, to salute all the first responders that were there, one miracle after the next that took over Jim's care. I mean, it, it's nothing less than a miracle, each one of them doing what they did and the whole sequence of events ending up to Jim being like he is today. It's, it's an it is a living miracle. miracle. He is a living miracle, yeah. And, and to the border guard, Detlef Bolner, who was the head of the border at that time, uh, he, we, we still communicate today on a semi-regular basis. And he will tell me, on, on Tuesday, I will talk to Detlef because Tuesday is the seventh anniversary. And I will talk to Detlef. I will phone Christy Smith. I will phone Pete Beglin. I will call the fire chief and say, thank you. And Detlef Golner will tell me that that changed his life. He just told me that last weekend, that that changed his life forever. He's a different person because of that experience. We're, we're lucky to have someone in our immediate family. Jim's wonderful brother was an advanced life support paramedic. And we asked him, how can we express our thanks to everyone who participated in saving Jim's life? And he said, show up alive because they never see people once they leave a scene that looks catastrophic, they never see the person alive. So that's what we attempted to do with everyone that, that helped us. Um, yeah, we can never say thank you enough. That's just an understatement. And all those people that drove down from Canada to Bellingham to the hospital when I wasn't cognizant to oh, be there. All the know, energy was just incredible. Andy McLean, my good pal and his wife, Judy, were, were there on a regular basis. And we, we have others, so many that, uh, never give up hope. Just and gratitude. Just gratitude. Yeah. And I'll be forever indebted. I, 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 I always just <laughs> sitting here in complete awe of this story. And, um, and I'm, I, yeah, I just, uh, thank you. Um, this again, this was beautiful. Um, we, we have, we have just talked for a beautiful amount of time. Um, I, I, is there something that you, I, I will share the book, um, on, in the, in the, um, uh, the podcast link as well as I think there, is there a website too? Yes. Miracle yes. Okay. The miracle. Yes. Um, 
Is there anything that you want to end with? Is there anything that you want um, me to share uh, just so that we make sure that we finish off here, um, making sure that there's something, I mean, I think the, the things that I can, I can feel um, for myself is really living, uh, living with gratitude, living with uh, slowing to, to make sure that we really stay in a space, which is hard for us, right? It's hard for us sometimes to really acknowledge that. And sometimes it does take um, a hit for us to really realize that, unfortunately. Um, but I, I think hearing these stories is often important for us to go, you know what? I, I, I do have, I do have greatness around me. Um, and I also just, Jim, I will say this again, um, because I think for so many, um, who may not, um, who are maybe a types, uh, it's good to hear somebody who, who was, well, maybe still is a little bit, it, it, energy is what it's all about. And hearing somebody like you say this and, and not me, but when they hear you say energy, like, ah, it just, it makes my whole heart sing. <laughs> That's awesome. So I love that. Well, see, I, I would I would say to everybody out there, be kind to yourself and be kind mm -hmm. to others. Realize the impact of your words. Learn how to take a moment just to, as they say, smell the roses, but smell the forest, smell the ocean, smell the trees, smell, smell this earth that we live on, because uh, we don't know what the what the future brings, but your your energy is here forever. So um, just enjoy enjoy every moment and lo love your families and uh, you know li live the best life you possibly can. Yeah. I love that. I, I will now say one more thing, Jim. I remember you just said this uh, like a month ago, but you'd said, I used to see flowers, but now I see color. That's correct. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. I really loved that. Thank you both so, so much. Thank you, Cindy. Cindy thank thank you. you. You're amazing. Yeah. We oh. appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Can't wait for what's ahead. We'll talk soon. Look forward to seeing you at some point. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye, Cindy. Thank you so much for being with us today on this very special day. Today, take some time to lean in, lean into somebody special, even if that somebody is you. Enjoy the moments, those in-between moments when you're not doing anything at all, because when it comes right down to it, the in-between moments are the ones that really matter. When we slow down and we realize that the morning coffee is really so delicious when we're driving from point a to b and that great song comes on that triggers a memory of our high school days and when we realize we found five dollars in our pocket that we we forgot about those are the moments that make up our life 
And when it comes right down to it, that is what's so important. Lean in on to somebody that matters most to you and give them a smile. Have a great day. Thank you.